you may have noticed that um, <clears throat> we repeat ourselves a lot as we teach. Uh, we're, we're saying the same thing in many different ways uh, to, be, to be with our experience, to, uh, to give, uh, to be, give space to our experience, to know the, the flow of experience and how it changes. And, um, and this is because the learning that we do in meditation, uh, it's not like the learning that we might do at a seminar or at university um, where we're taking in information and assimilating it intellectually and, uh, and creating um, you know, kind of a, a system of uh, knowledge. <clears throat> it's it's really um, it's a practice, and uh, and the Buddha was a very practical person, and this teaching comes out of this practice comes out of his teachings, and um, so it's not to create, you know, a philosophy or a religion, but it's to really inquire into the nature of our experience. And so we keep saying the same things, and, uh, and, and this is because as we, as we practice, we, our experience changes, and we develop more capacity to look deeply into the experience as as, uh, as the mind becomes more calm, more stable, more, more concentrated. <clears throat> Insight uh, meditation, the, uh, the word in Pali is vipassana, meditation, um, is this uh, deep seeing, this, uh, this profound uh, inquiry into our experience. Um, I, I think uh, the word vipassana is, it's, it's translated in English as insight, but I don't think there's an exact word in French. Maybe um, vision profonde? Vision claire. Vision claire. <clears throat> And the, the teaching invites us to explore uh, this, this deep-seeing, this inquiry into uh, our experience. And, and the, it points to three different aspects that we can look at. And um, they're really interconnected. It's like three facets of a single jewel. Uh, you might look at it from one direction or another direction, but you, they can't really, you can't say they're, they're separate or apart. So the first is impermanence, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. And the second, and, and I'll give you the Pali words, you know, the Pali is the ancient language of the Theravada teachings, uh, which were taught, which were passed down 
at first in an oral tradition. So uh, impermanence is anicca, anicca. And, um, uh, and the second is, um, it's a word dukkha, which is often used because the word dukkha uh, points to a whole range of experience. It, it, that what we experience is unfulfilling. You know, anything that we can experience through the senses is unfulfilling. Um, sometimes it's, it's translated as suffering, but not everything is suffering. So I'll talk about that. And then, uh, and then the third is anatta, which means non-self. So, so everything that we experience, it's not solid. It's not, it doesn't have an independent existence. So, so, um, so those are the three things that I'm going to explore. Oui. L'impermanence ou fugacité. Après ça, euh, l'incapacité, ça c'est ma traduction, l'incapacité qu'ont les choses de satisfaire, les phénomènes, l'insatisfaction. Puis le dernier, c'est le, le non-soi, c'est le, le, non, le mot qui est utilisé, le concept qui est utilisé. Non-sien, non-soi. And if I say anything at any time that anyone is not getting uh, because of the language, please just, you know, let me know and uh, clarify. <clears throat> so, the Buddha said that not seeing impermanence is ignorance. And seeing it is the doorway to wisdom. Seeing impermanence is the doorway to wisdom. <clears throat> when, we, when we inquire or look at with this mindful quality uh, of looking, So mindful, just to remind you, means that we're not trying to make our experience into anything. You know, we're just present with a kind and accepting heart. So we're not judging. We're not imposing our preferences. We're not getting caught up in liking or disliking. Whatever it is, whether it's a body sensation, or a sound, or something we see visually, or an encounter, um, we're just we're just present. We're observing it. And it's in the moment, so mindfulness is also always in the present moment. You know, we're not being mindful about something in the past, if we are, we're being mindful of a mental event called a memory. So, uh, and the memory is not the event, the event is gone. And, uh, and if we're thinking of the future, we're not being mindful 
of uh, something in the future, of course it hasn't happened, uh, we are just being aware of the mind projecting into the future. So we can think about the future, we can imagine the future, and we can be mindful of that. But mindfulness is always in the present. The memory, the imagination is happening in the present. So when we are mindful, one of the things that you're invited to inquire, is this your experience? We, we discover that everything is in flux. It's changing. It's, <clears throat> you know, we, we see impermanence on a macro level. You know, we see the se- seasons change. Happy vernal equinox. It's the first day of fall. Where's the summer? It's gone. Uh, we see our bodies aging. Uh, we see, um, you know, the children in our lives growing up. We ourselves can remember that we were, we were children. And so we see that macro change. And we see the macro change that is within our human capacity to, uh, to dis- discern it. You know, we don't see very well changes which are so macro that it's beyond our lifespan. So we don't see, you know, uh, well, sometimes we see, a, you know, we, uh, there's a... Um, a stellar event, you know, an astronomical event that happens. A star uh, goes, what is the word? Uh, when a star explodes? Uh, supernova. supernova, yeah. <laughs> star goes supernova, or we see, uh, you know, meteors. But, but we, you know, mostly the, the stars, the, the unfolding of the universe, you know, these are the changes of the Earth, you know, we don't, it's beyond our human lifespan. The changes happen, geological changes. <clears throat> but we know science really is wonderful in that it, it tells us about these, that even all of these things, which ancient human beings used to think of as permanent, right? They used to think that the heavens and the earth were, were permanent. And, and we know that everything's in flux. Um, but but um, even before geology and astronomy, astrophysics told us that, sometimes spiritual teachers had an intuition about this, this change that is present in everything. There's a Zen, there was a Zen t- teacher named Zogen, uh, Dogen, who lived, um, uh, I, I think, in the 12th century. And, um, and he said once, can you see mountains walking? He said, if you have not seen mountains walking, you have not seen mountains. And so we know that the mountains you know, now we, we, we look at 
the sedimentary rocks and we see that these mountains came up from you know what were once great seas and you know the sediments formed of the sand you know uh, building up at the bottom of the sea so and then we also discover impermanence at a very micro level moment to moment and this is what we discover in our meditation we sit down and we meditate and uh, and we can we, we bring our, our, our attention to the body. We feel the quality of energy in the body. And we, we, we breathe. And just even by taking a breath and turning our attention mindfully to a single breath, the quality of energy can change. You know, and if we're mindful, we see that. We see that thoughts arise They arise, where do they arise from? Thoughts just arise, you know. But if we think that thoughts are something solid, then when a thought comes up, like, she looked at me funny, she doesn't like me. And then we believe that. And then our whole attitude and how we behave toward that person may be totally formed and shaped by that one thought, which is just a thought. It's not necessarily true at all. And even if it is true that she looked at you funny, it may not be because she doesn't like you. And even if she doesn't like you, it's not about you. So, So we hold on to thoughts. You know, a feeling of sadness comes up. You know, just sadness. And we, we may attach to it and think, oh, my life really sucks. But if we can just let sadness be sadness, let sadness move, let sadness be there we actually discover that it's just something that comes up and maybe it's connected to certain events or maybe it's connected to the fact that we're tired or we're hungry. You know, we don't know. These, so we, we see that experience flows. And can we have the capacity to to just be present with it. When we understand that everything flows, we begin to understand that we can't hold on to anything. The the Buddha said that... um, it's better to see this, to have this insight, to see this truth of the arising and passing away, than to live a hundred years without seeing it. It's better to, to see this 
this insight of arising and passing away than to develop, you know, all kinds of meditative states of, you know, concentration or um, uh, whatever, you know, whatever uh, powerful mental state one might develop. Because this is liberating. The seeing, the arising and passing away of all experience is is liberating. Because the mind, when the mind really understands that there's nothing that can be held on to, you know, this clinging, there's nothing that's that can be clung to, then it stops trying. It it gets it, you know. And that's the birth of wisdom. You know, liberating wisdom. So, um, so that leads us to the second of the uh, of of these characteristics of the three characteristics. So, uh, dukkha. So, so, some experiences in life are pleasant, and. Uh, and that's wonderful, you know. So we we uh, we experience being with people that we love. We experience um, you know learning something really great, you know, learning how to samba or <laughs> or uh, you know make something out of clay or ride a bike, you know. It's great. Uh, And so we can enjoy pleasant experiences. But they're not going to fulfill us. They're not going to... They're not going to give us lasting, a lasting sense of peace, well-being, joy. So pleasant experiences are to be enjoyed without trying to cling to them. So... The perfect vacation, you know, uh, is great, and then we come home. You know, um, the perfect relationship, the you know, the love of my life, uh, is not going to be free of conflict uh, or unpleasant times, you know, or disagreements, or just sometimes feeling very apart from that person for one reason or another. And so if we think that that, that relationship is, um, is going to satisfy us all the time, that relationship is going to be in trouble if we put that demand on it. You know, parenting, you know, having kids. In a way, uh, this, this practice is like, it is like learning to love in some ways because you discover what is love? You know, what is being a parent? What is being a partner to your lover? You know, what is being a son or daughter to your parent? You know, uh, there may be a lot of love in that, but it, it requires many, many different things, many, many kinds of responses. But the thing that's consistent is that we need to be present. We need to be present to ourselves and to the other. So, uh, 
so this uh, this dukkha, or uh, un- unfulfilling, or uh, uh, without having the capacity to satisfy, or 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 suffering, or pain. You know, like there's also in life, as we all know, there's there's difficulty, there's painful experiences, people that we love die, move away, uh, or we become separated from them because we change or they change. Uh, Things don't work out, jobs don't work out. Um, The body gets sick and is achy. There are all of these unpleasant things, which are also impermanent. Also impermanent, they also change. Um, even a chronic illness is, uh, is something that is always changing. So, um, so uh, the, the impermanence of things and the unfulfillingness and painful nature of things, my healthy body, will become sick. This body is not immune to sickness, to aging, to death. So these things are, um, when we really understand this, uh, we, we stop clinging. Um, I, re- I read something recently uh, that somebody was quoting a teacher who said um, uh, enjoyment is the absence of greed, hatred, and delusion. So, so when we stop clinging, we actually find that natural quality of mind, which is clear, open, Content with what is, uh, accepting, present. <clears throat> and then the the third aspect is uh, non-self, and um, and so it's also connected to to the first two. Uh, if everything is changing, then, and it's not even the same for a single moment, how can you say it is this? You know, we can put a label on it, you know, and we can say, uh, you know, I'm Daryl, but what is this process, you know, Daryl? Is it, you know, it's, it's not the same Daryl that, you know, came in the door even because. Uh, right now, you know, my uh, just how I feel is is uh, is is different, and you know, um, my 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 physiology is different. I'm getting hungry. My you know my my uh, my sense of the temperature of the room is different. Um, my mental state is different. So. We put a label on things 
and then we think they're solid. But a label is just a label, and it's, it's helpful. We can't live without labels. You know, but it doesn't, it doesn't create a box, it doesn't define that uh, event, that event which is uh, Pascal or Roxanne or Sonia. It's an event. It's an ongoing event. A process. <clears throat> so, so we could say that Jessica is Jessica-ing. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so there, there's just this beingness. It's a we're we're not nouns. We're verbs. We're we're in. We're we're alive. And also another way to understand non-self. Not only are we changing moment to moment, but we also are not. We're we're more like open systems. Um, I worked once. Uh, teaching uh, the Dharma with uh, somebody who was um, an environmentalist, an environmental geography professor at Concordia. And she, she described us as open systems, like a lake is an open system. You know, it's, it's, uh, there's always something coming in, the rain, the... Uh, perhaps the elements in the air, the, the chemicals that are carried by the winds. There's, there's always something going out. The life in the lake is, uh, is changing the, the, the chemistry, the biochemistry of the lake. You know, so we're open systems. So we breathe, we drink, we eat, our body metabolizes, we excrete. You know, on a very basic level, just the body. You know, we are our upbringing, our culture, our religious background or lack of it, our um, our language, uh, our the places that we that we visited in the world and lived in. We are our education, our friends. So many different things go into comprising who we are, and and yet somehow we say um, this is me, you know. And what are we talking about when we say this is me? I mean, we're talking about the whole world. You know, if we were touched by hearing about you know, events in Syria or, you know, a crash of a bus into a train. If our heart was touched and we felt something for these events which aren't even in our visual range, then we are that also. You know, if we're touched by um, what we see on the streets, you know, homeless people uh, or people with mental illness or, or joyful people, you know, people with walking with their children, fathers and mothers with babies in little 
ergo baby carriers or playing in the park. You know, we're touched by everything and, um, and it changes us. It feeds us in different ways. So, so I am the world. I am, I am the world. Uh, each one of us can say that. <clears throat> but, you know, we want to hold on to some sense of self. I am this, I am that. And it's not that we don't have a, a separateness. It's not that we don't have a, an individuality. You know, of course we do. And, you know, relatively, we live in different homes. We, we have to eat our own food, you know. Your lunch is not going to do anything about my growling belly. Uh, so, so we do, we do have that individuality uh, on a relatively base, on a relative uh, basis. But it's not the ultimate truth of who we are. But you know, we're afraid that if we give up, if we let go of this sense of. Well, I know who I am. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm me. Uh, that somehow we're going to disappear. That, you know, we're going to be annihilated. Well, if, if I if I don't hold on to this feeling of, you know, I'm separate. I'm unique. I'm me. Uh, that, you know, somehow. There's nothing there, and that's not—that's not what this teaching says. Actually, it says that, and 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 it is yours to discover, not to believe, not to just take on faith, but to discover. It says that it's the absence of greed, hatred, and delusion that is enjoyment, that is joy, that is love, uh, that is contentment and peace. And that quality which, you know, we point to when we say the word awakening or freedom or nirvana or um, God, uh, whatever language we use, um, it's uh, it's something that is present already. We it's not something that we have to get from outside ourselves. It's something we already are. It's something that is really fundamental. It's um, it's a quality we've already known. We've already known. Just just remembering. You know, there's a a, a quality that you can. It's very interesting uh, to do this. Just remember back 
when you were just a little one, a wee one, you know, uh, as far back as you can remember, not remembering what you were doing or the house you lived in or the or the uh, the interaction you were having, but just remembering being alive, being, you know, and at any point in your life, you can touch as you as you bring awareness to the memory. You can perhaps, you know, I've I've talked with people about this, and I've. I've experienced this myself. Just that beingness, that simplicity of beingness, aliveness, awareness, is timeless. It's clear. It's open. It's unconditioned. And and that's what the Buddha called it. This, just this, this open, bare awareness. And living from that space, we, we can see the rising and falling. We can see the flow of life. We can see the coming and going without fear, without a need to cling because there's a fullness in that emptiness. Uh, there's a, there's a, a spaciousness. There's a, just a sense of it's enough. And so... Um, So in in our meditation practice, just by coming to the body, coming to the breath, seeing, seeing how thoughts come and go, how uh, clinging arises and passes away. Now we don't need to, we don't need to fix clinging, you know. Emotions arise and pass away. We don't need to fix our emotions. You know, we can enjoy them or we can <coughs> be present with them. Sometimes they're beautiful, sometimes they're painful. Uh, it's all part of the fullness of life. The, in the Tao they say the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows. It's all part of what, what is to be alive. And within that space, we can always be at home. Always uh, feel a sense of ease. And then, sometimes not. So in our practice, we, you know, that's, you know, that that's a kind of a, a fullness of realization. Of this, but in our practice, we get caught. You know, we get caught in the emotions. We get caught in in uh, 
you know, trying to fix things or change things or uh, struggle with things, uh, and then and then we come back to just this presence, which is always nourishing and always uh, available to us. And um, and little by little, we uh, we. We taste freedom. We taste a moment of non-clinging, of non-hatred, of non-jealousy, or a moment of uh, being, feeling connected and enjoying somebody else's joy as our own. So, it evolves. So let's... uh, just sit for a couple of minutes.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.